Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 69th episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. Ooh, nice. I'm excited to chat it up with Luke Johnson. Luke is an account executive for the Greenville Drive, high A affiliate of the Boston Red Sox. Luke has also spent time with the Frisco Rough Riders, Pittsburgh Pirates, Green Bay Packers, Asheville Taurus, Wisconsin Herd, and the Duluth Huskies. Make sure to go back and listen through the catalog, folks. There's 60 other great episodes with amazing people, um, so many different backgrounds and stories. Um, yeah, just go back and listen to the catalog. Let's go ahead and shout out the top cities that people are listening to the podcast in this past week. Those cities are... Carbondale, Illinois, Fort Wayne, Indiana, New York, New York, Rockford, Illinois, Jacksonville, Florida, Xenia, Ohio, Brooklyn, New York, Harleysville, Pennsylvania, and Alexandria, Virginia. Shout out to those cities for listening to the Pulling Tart podcast this past week. If you want an individual shout-out, that's pretty simple to do. Drop a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts. That helps drive us up the charts and turns more people into members of the TARP crew. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at It's R.A. Coon. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N for all up-to-date news about the Pulling TARP podcast. With that being said, let's chat with Luke Johnson, one of the nicest guests we've ever had, from the Greenville Drive. Luke, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. This is arguably the nicest episode, um, the 69th episode, man. How how does it feel to be the 69th guest? Man, I gotta say, you know, just uh, keep going with the gag. It feels pretty nice to be the 69th guest, my friend. Perfect, <laughs> dude. How's your first season going so far in Greenville? Oh um, man, it's it's going pretty good. We just had our uh, first home stand back at 100. percent So nice to see the ballpark come back to life, and uh, and just just nice uh, kind of actually uh, just meet some like season ticket holders and things like that. So, uh, but it's been it's been going on pretty smoothly so far. Good, good. Glad to hear it. You were laid off in Frisco due to COVID nineteen. You were one of those unfortunate folks. Um, you know, it, it impacted you know the entire MILB industry really. 
Uh, can you tell the listeners what you did during the time you were laid off and how you bounced back and landed with the drive? Uh, I didn't really do a whole lot during during that time. Not gonna lie, like I, I since like I was still in Texas, like I went camping a lot. Um, my sister uh, was stationed um, near uh, San Angelo, Texas, which is like kind of like East Central Texas, about five hours away from Dallas. So okay, uh, I was able to like have like social distance visits with her and stuff like that. So I uh, did just pretty much did a lot of camping and. Uh, just kind of just like trolling around for uh, what would be my next job and everything. Like I worked retail for a little bit, and then but yeah, I just was was just trolling around trying to find my my next landing spot. And uh, luckily, uh, stars aligned and uh, things came together uh, for a really great community out here in Greenville, man. Nice, nice. Yeah, I only hear like good things um, with Greenville. I mean, we'll talk about it later, but uh, one of the Best or one of the groomsmen in my wedding um, is Timmy Hines, who is the first guest on this podcast, who is the stadium ops guy there in Greenville. So we'll we'll get to him. Trust me. Um, <laughs> so um, I always like to ask the salespeople this question: um, What's the number one secret to sales, in your opinion? Uh, I, I always feel like every person can find a way to be successful, whether that be sales, marketing, branding, operations, anything like that. It's just about whether or not you get yourself in a routine that's going to ultimately work for you. So like what really works for me, like in like that, in like that realm is just like from the, from the client side, it's just like being able to like showcase the ballpark, bring them on site to the, at the ballpark for an appointment and just kind of like let the area and the possibilities of either a making memories or for a company to make their employees happy or to increase their bottom line because they can use it as a way to entertain their clients, improve their bottom line. I I really think that like what we got in Greenville really speaks for itself. So I just, I just let the ballpark talk, baby. There you go, man. I mean, but yeah, I mean, baseball, really does like sell itself honestly um i mean not really but you got to find the right fit for for each client so um yeah and that's the that's the beauty of uh the minor league like like minor league baseball versus mlb is you have a lot of very passionate fans in the major league level that definitely when they buy their tickets they very much care about how the team performs it uh, pretty much like uh, affects their mood, their happiness right. in a way. And uh, at the minor league level, ninety-eight um, percent of the people don't even know the score when they're walking out of the gates when the game's over, uh, because all they cared about was having a good time with like their family, friends, whoever they decided to come out with. So, uh, being able to have that in your back pocket, know that like that is that's what you're working with at the minor league level i feel like is so much stronger even though i learned a lot of great things when i was in the major league level with the pirates i just i just feel like i'm a lot more of a stronger person to be able to give people what they want at the minor league level yeah yeah i i mean i i agree i i would imagine that um there's more to sales in in the minor leagues rather than the major leagues you know 
um, basically with the major leagues, you're you're marketing the players, whereas in the minor leagues you can't really do that because you know a guy could get moved up or or cut or whatever. You're you're selling the experience more or less, right? And you still do that at the major league level, like especially like with my with my time in Pittsburgh, like having PNC Park as your backdrop sure. uh, was was pretty awesome to have, and then just like going back to like utilizing for your business or something like that that all that always would help but yeah like uh some of those crazy ins are fans man uh, uh if you called on them to talk about coming out to pirates games uh that some of them would be pretty quick to bite your head off yeah <laughs> in a way and uh yeah it's uh you would get a, a couple tongue lashings uh from like some of those real diehard fans but uh uh, it doesn't like really affect you other than point out like after you're done talking they get their little rant over you just kind of laugh about it in a way like it never like really affected me like in a negative way even if people were kind of being very like menacing anything like that it just didn't really affect me because I know at the end of the day that you know um, people are just being diehard fans it doesn't make it right or anything like that don't right. get me wrong it doesn't make it right but it just personally never like affected me in a way where I would get to that point where I felt like, oh my god, what did I just go through? Yeah. I just it just became like a part of like the experience of working in the front office. Mm-hmm. PNC Park is my favorite major league stadium that I've been to. By the way, um, beautiful view. Um, but yeah, spent some time in Western Pennsylvania. Went to Slippery Rock University. Um, so, uh, but so we've we've obviously interacted on Twitter. And I've got to ask you, what's with these videos on social media of people dumping ingredients all over the counters to to make meals? Dude, it's an abomination, straight up. I, I don't I don't get like how that. I, I think like people like got like inspired like you you've ever been to like an ice cream parlor like where like you can get like the the hand rolled ice cream like rolled on like the cold press and stuff like that. Yeah like freshly made and everything i think people kind of like wanted to take that to like a demonic level (laughs) (laughs) and tried to think that they did something that like i don't know what it's like get like food like network tiktok all fired up thinking it was a great idea but really just grossed everybody out like the the nacho one was absolutely horrendous the spaghetti one was just as bad and uh the peanut butter and jelly one was ridiculous the the nutella peanut butter jelly one i think was just trolling yeah but like either way like uh, i i really don't know what what people were thinking with with all that man i don't either like you have perfectly (laughs) clean counters like why would you do that i don't understand and especially like the the nacho one like she like cracked the cheese out of the can, man. Like that, yeah. that none of that was cooked. Yeah. So like it wasn't even hot. Like she was like <laughs> eating everything straight up like raw, like like nacho sushi or something like that. Uh, man, it was not appealing. No, not <laughs> at all. Um, when I when you posted the peanut butter and jelly one, I was just like, all right, I saw the spaghetti one. Like you could kind of like be like, okay, if you're making this for like a ton of people and you needed all the room you need you know that you could get like that's one thing there's no reason to do that with the peanut butter and the nutella and the jelly like i i was just like i don't understand why this is happening why am i watching this 
Bobby, you can't you can't justify any of these, man. <laughs> Even if you're cooking for a hundred people, man, you you just get a bigger pot. Mm. You just get a bigger pot. <laughs> Alright, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah, I mean don't justify people on, on the internet is is what I've learned from this. Um Don't 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 give those folks validation. <laughs> So, you're from Wisconsin, where I spent some time, the land of beer, brats, and some of the nicest people. Have you been to any games in Beloit? We touched on this a little bit before we started recording. Yeah, so, um, I've never been to uh, uh, a game out in Beloit. Um, I've been to, like, a Timber Rattlers game just because it was right, right by where I went to school. Okay. At, uh, at Oshkosh, and yeah, so, and just like being, like, from about like two hours away from where yeah. it was, ultimately just never got there. Yeah, I've been to the Timber Adlers Stadium, knew some people that, that work there, um, you know, great, great people up there, um, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, love, love northern Wisconsin, you know, up there in Green Bay and, and all that. Can you explain to the TARP crew what exactly supper clubs are? Yeah, so pretty much like the way that I've seen supper clubs in, like, I haven't been to one in, like, an extremely long time. Like, I don't think I've been inside one since, like, I was, like, a little kid. But pretty much it's just, like, a small menu type of place, like, where, like, you you expect, like, very well done home cooking like there's maybe three items or three entrees on the menu where you can choose to order from mm-hmm. and uh that and that's pretty much your choice it's like at, at home when uh your mom or your dad says like hey this is what we've got in the house this is what we can make these are your choices type of deal right. so yeah it's just meant to feel like you're at home order brandy old-fashioned or uh, if you're a night bloody mary drinker then ha- have have one there too yeah. but um but yeah, it's just like down, home cooking, small small plates, small menu, and uh, it just feels like home. Yeah, I. Um, so the reason I asked that is one of the finalists for the new team name in Beloit is the Supper Clubbers, and I I I, I love a good supper club, um, and a lot of people don't know what they are. It's very regional to Wisconsin. Um, I, I described it as at least the, the one that I went to semi-frequently in Wisconsin in, in Beloit was, um, you know, you walk in and, you know, it is a small place. So you, so you sit at the bar, the bar is big, but the, the, you know, the rest of the restaurant's pretty small and you sit, you go up to the bar, you have a couple drinks, you probably wait for like, you know, 45 minutes or so. And then they take you to your table, and like you said, small menu. They usually have you know specials or whatever, um, and like all the tables are like kind of close together, um, so it's kind of like you're you know you're eating with like the rest of the neighborhood, you know. Um, but um, it's it's a good time, that's for sure. Shout out to the Butterfly Club in Beloit, Wisconsin. Hey, there we go. Longtime sponsors out there. Dude, I was re I was doing research on you and I read this article from back when you were with Frisco and you were talking about how your dad was in the movie Major League. Uh-huh. That first of all, that blows my mind 
Um, cause that's like one of my favorite movies. Uh, the question is, does he still get residual checks from that? Nah, nah, he doesn't. Uh, he just got a bunch of, uh, photographs, uh, like from the movie set and everything like that. I've got, uh, his, everyone on the, uh, when the movie premiered, uh, the studio mailed out all the extras, uh, a, uh, like uh, like a pictures like warm up jacket with the movie logo on the back, oh, and I still have that to this day because it fits me. Nice. Uh, so I, I hang on to that pretty tight. Heck yeah. And uh, but yeah, yeah, my dad was like uh, uh, like a like a JUCO pitcher and stuff like yeah. that, like while he was in the police academy uh, and everything like that. So since he was like a pretty active, like he did a lot of on screen throwing whenever like Charlie Sheen like wasn't throwing. A pitch there's like my dad and like two other guys that would throw for him even though like charlie sheen actually could he could hurl uh supposedly yeah. like he could like crack like like mid mid to high 80s that's uh, pretty when impressive he would, when he was on set yeah that is that is actually really impressive um but dude that is badass that your dad was in the movie major league like one of the most iconic baseball movies like ever made Easily, yeah, like, uh, I always, uh, he always would never like it, like, when I would tell people, but it's just like, man, I kind of got to break about it, man, because, yes. like, everyone that, that especially works in baseball, like, it's definitely a hot debate, uh, what your favorite baseball movie is, so, yeah, obviously, like, Major League and Sandlot would always be the top of the two, and then, like, I would always save a little extra for Major League just because, like, it's cool for me, and it was filmed in Milwaukee, too, yeah, uh, at Old County Stadium. Uh, so, uh, just like, just the pure Wisconsin connection and, and like with my dad, uh, that definitely puts it at, at the top for me for sure. Yeah. Does he have any like cool stories from, from like being on set or anything? Uh, Charlie Sheen threw his birthday party at a county stadium during the filming and uh, my mom and dad got to go to that. Nice. Um, and so, but like they didn't like see Charlie or anything like that. He probably was like off in like some suite or something like that doing doing charlie sheen 80s things <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah like uh um yeah like they got to go to his birthday party everyone that was involved in the movie all the extras like essentially got to hang out at uh at county stadium in milwaukee for his birthday uh while he was filming it so that was pretty cool yeah that is that's pretty sweet man um so you've worked in in other sports too, not just baseball. Um, so what was it like working in football for the Packers? Um, I mean, that's that's your squad, I'm assuming. So um, and and then in basketball with the Wisconsin Herd, uh, the G League affiliate of the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, um, the the Packers obviously was like a really great time. I was just like in guest services like while I was in college and everything like that. So. I uh, got to take care of uh, a lot of, like, the players' families, like, when they would, like, enjoy the game on, on the club level and stuff like that, both, like, visiting and away. Uh, I met uh, uh, Eli Apple's mom during the Giants versus Packers playoff game, and uh, she was one of the most hilarious people that I ever met because, obviously, being surrounded by all the Packers fans, like, she wasn't afraid to, like, joke around, like, make it a good time, even though the Packers aren't. If I'm remembering correctly, they, they crushed the Giants pretty bad 
uh, in, in that divisional playoff game. I, I'm blanking on the year off the top of my head. But, uh, but yeah, she was just having a good time. Like, everyone around her was just pretty much just laughing the entire time because uh, it was kind of like a spectacle because, like, since, like, uh, Eli's draft night, like, she, like, was poking fun at him for something. I can't remember <laughs> what. I think it was because, like, she told him that she wouldn't wear his jersey ever until he got drafted to the NFL when he was in high school or something like that. <laughs> and uh, she blew up really big on his draft night. So, like, ever since then, she was kind of like a big spectacle. And so, yeah, when she came to Green Bay, she put on the little sideshow to go along with the football game Nice. <laughs> uh, while that was going on. So that was pretty nifty. That is, that is pretty cool, man. Um, so... I was listening to your um, Snapbacks and Inner Brews interview um, with Austin and Hunter. Um, shout out to them. Uh, we were just talking before we re- started recording. Um, we wish they would do more episodes, but we certainly understand why they're on pause right now. Um, so, number one, what was it like being a guest on that podcast? And then number two, we'll, we'll touch on um, your time in Pittsburgh after this answer. Yeah, man. Oh my God. Yeah. Like I, I, I love those dudes, man. Like, like Austin and Hunter are just like two of like some of the greatest guys that like I've, I personally have gotten to meet. Uh, I've only, I've met Hunter in person. I haven't met Austin in person yet. Uh, but he's only three hours away in Danville, so I might have to go uh, catch uh, catch those bots here pretty yep. soon. But yeah, like they, the, the very just incredibly authentic guys that care a lot about what they do and uh, so much more than who they are as like professionals. Like they care about things that are so much like bigger than themselves, and uh, that that's just so incredibly rad to like support them and everything and everything yeah. that they're doing that and they're they're so good at what they do um it's it's incredible dude um the things that like that hunter has done promotionally and social media wise um and then austin is no slouch either man he's running a brand new team blowing it up on social um and it looks like everybody's having a great time um at, at otterbots games um and and just shout out to them for for being so great at what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like when when you see like the the, new, uh, the like the rebirth of like the, the Appalachian League and like how that is shifting now from like essentially being like from affiliated by the team to just being affiliated by the league and just like seeing like how like Austin's led the charge and like. Uh, pretty much, like you don't you don't hear about any other teams other than Otterbots out mm-hmm. of the Appalachian League, and uh, uh, there there's a reason for that, and it's because he's doing doing everything that that he does well with that. Yeah, just and then the of course uh, the rebirth of the beer bats. Yes. Out, out of Myrtle Beach, man. I I just thought that was like just like the craziest thing that took off because like you know. Uh, like I've been at T Rats games with 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 beer bats in like 2017, 2018, and like everyone just like yeah thought it was just like kind of like a cool like novelty right. uh, type of thing, and then you see a team like what Hunter Moore and Canella did, and everyone that that's over there in the Pelicans front office really just leech on as soon as like it absolutely took off, man. That. That that was that shit like that is so incredibly dope to watch when you yeah. know the 
the people and the work that they've done like over the last like year, especially this past year, uh, get something so organic yeah. like that to take off, man, it, it's, it's so dope to see yeah. shit like that, man. I, I mean, that. they, they capitalized the shit out of that and I, and I loved every single second of it. I love to, um, you know, point out like what previous guests are, are doing, like, you know, um, and, and of course, like, you know, I retweeted or tweeted at Hunter and I was like, yeah, shout out to Pulling Tart Podcast, uh, guest Hunter, uh, for blowing this shit out of proportion. And it was awesome to watch, dude. I was just scrolling through Twitter and just looking at all the news outlets that picked it up and, and yeah, man, just Hunter and the rest of the crew just, just blew it out of the water. It was great to see. So, um, I spent some time in Western PA as well. Uh, you worked for the Pirates. Um, what was it like working in Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh is an awesome, awesome city. Um, heavily slept on city. Yes, absolutely. One of the toughest cities to drive in, but none, nonetheless, um, a great city. Uh, touch on some, some places to eat maybe some fun fun things to do in pittsburgh shit man i mean i i just like had a really good crew in pittsburgh that like i came with like on the inside sales team was like 10 10 of us so like we all kind of stuck together pretty good so can't go wrong with uh going out downtown or, or on the south side or something like that uh when it when it's friday or saturday night can't can't go yeah. wrong there uh, but yeah, I definitely really like the Heinz History Center too. Um, for anyone that's not uh, known too much about Pittsburgh, it's also where they host uh, Fred Rogers, aka Mr. Rogers Friendly Neighborhoods mm-hmm. original set. Yeah. On uh, on one of the floors, it takes up like an entire floor of the museum. It's an incredibly incredibly dope uh, museum, and then just having that as uh, like a childhood memory for me uh, definitely. Uh, sweetens the pot a little bit for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I personally never never went to to Rivers Casino, but like a lot of people that visit, that is usually like a main place, like where people wind up yeah. uh, for a night out. But just personally, because like I'm not that that big on gambling, um, I just never really had like the motivation to do it. I had a, a couple of uh, coworkers that were Rivers regulars, yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, well, Oh yeah. Um, sorry, I lost you there for a second. Oh, you're good. Uh, but um, but yeah, just seeing the, the hills and the valleys of uh, where they would be at, depending on how their tennis match that they bet on went, <laughs> or the hand that they got dealt yep. uh, when they were out last night or the night before. Uh, definitely be interesting. But um, and then like places to eat, like Pittsburgh definitely has like. And like the surrounding suburbs, like has good food all over the place. Like I pretty much hung out at this place called Mike's Beer Bar mm-hmm. um, that I talked about on Snapbacks and Interviews. Like another like one of those like small menu places, and they have over five hundred beers on tap in cans, Ooh. bottles, just absolutely ridiculous stuff. And then uh, I pretty much like hung out in the Strip District uh, like all the time, and like 
just got it from like the local shops that were around there. So like the strip district uh, is pretty much like a big like farmers market on steroids, essentially. Yeah. Uh, just not too far from like where the, the the penguins play. Yep. And it is like the the flavors, the smells. Oh my gosh! Like I wish they could make it into a candles just so that I could uh, <laughs> re-experience it again. Type nice. of thing, and yeah, I would, I'd probably say like the strip district is probably the number one attraction in Pittsburgh, without a doubt. Yeah, I've only been to like the the touristy places because like where I went to school was like an hour north of Pittsburgh. So whenever I went down for a game or whatever, like you know, we did Permanies and we did uh, Tilted Kill and and you know like those kinds of places. Um, but so I did work for American Idol. Uh, for three days in Pittsburgh and um, saw J-Lo and, and all of them. And um, so we got done with like a really long day. It was like th- me and three of my buddies. We worked like, you know, probably like a 14 or 16 hour day, which I didn't realize at the time, but that was going to be like my normal once I got into baseball. Um, but so we're, we're leaving the Pittsburgh Convention Center and we asked this guy that we see, um, you know, right outside, we're like, we're like, dude, like we gotta, we gotta kill some time here before we go to where we're staying at. Um, where's a good place to grab a drink? And he was like, oh yeah, you go up, you know, two blocks this way and then you head, head two blocks, you know, the, you know, the other way. And so, um, we go there and we walk into this place and there's just like, I don't know how to describe it. It was an interesting crowd, like a, a different crowd. And, you know, we're, you know, we just, we order beers, you know, whatever. And, um, we see, um, some people that like we, we had worked with that during that day, um, Ryan Seacrest's makeup artist guy, um, and that kind of stuff. And then like, I go to the restroom and there's a flyer for a gay and lesbian film festival. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, the owner support, supports, like, gay rights, you know, whatever, or, you know, whatever. And so I walk out of the bathroom, and this this guy was like, hey, what's your name? And I was like, I was like, hey, I'm Bobby, like, what's up? And he's just like, he's like, oh, you're so cute. And then that's when I realized that it, we were in a gay bar. And I had, like, I was just, like, I just, like, didn't even think of it. Like, and and then, like, so I meet my buddies outside because we're getting ready to go where we're going to stay. And and my buddy CJ, he's like, he's like, did any of you guys get hit on in there? And I was like, yeah, I did. And he's like, oh, man, I thought I was special. And then, like, I was like, you do realize that we were in a gay bar, right? And he goes, were we? Like, it was such a dive bar that we didn't think it was, that it could be a gay bar. But it sure was. I don't know. Yeah, man. What was the the name of the bar that that, uh, you were in? I have no idea. No idea. This was back in, like, 2012, probably. Okay, yeah, so that, yeah, that was, like, like, I only lived in Pittsburgh for less than a year in 2019, so probably a lot has changed, but uh, by the way you described it, if it was only a couple blocks, 
from the convention center there's uh, like all sorts of like different like little bars like right around there just because like you have like a couple of like the bigger chain hotels like Wyndham and Omni have a have a, a place right in downtown right in the arts district right by PNC Park and stuff mm-hmm. like that Heinz Field and everything so yeah I'm trying I'm just trying to think of like all the small little bars that are down there but like nothing it's really ringing the bell like because like the super diving places like i think of like are like lefties like in the strip district yeah and stuff like that where it's like like the walls look like they haven't been painted in 30 years yeah. and stuff like that just like not not exactly like grimy as in like disgusting but like grimy as in like okay like, yeah lefties is like a, a lifetime establishment type type yeah you know? right right <laughs> All right, so this is the Pulling Tart podcast, uh, dude. You've been you've been in the game for a little while now. You got to have some crazy tarp stories, right? Uh, pretty much the only two tarp stories I have was like the record of tarp pulls that we had in a day uh, was eight when I was an intern in Asheville. Uh, it was like a like a game in, and it was like a game in like August too. So like add the humidity in on top of it. Yeah. And so, yeah, we pulled tarp eight times in one day and that was brutal. And then on my last day as an intern, my hand got caught in one of the straps when we were rolling up the tarp and I almost got caught up in it. And like, I like smacked like my face a couple of times, <laughs> like trying to like stop myself. Yeah. From, like getting caught. But yeah, like I still like had like my arm like curved around and luckily everyone stopped in time because they saw what was happening. <laughs> Uh, so I didn't get eaten by the tart monster that day, but it was uh, it was a close call. Oh man, I never got ate up, but I did come close a couple times, and it's the worst. You you never want to be you never want to be that person. Like I've I've seen people like you know like after like. Uh, you get it rolled out and you're getting into different positions to like stretch it out and then throwing stakes down and everything like that. When people have like ran across the tarp, they've, I've like seen people like eat shit, like mm-hmm. slipping slip on it, going across and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, nothing, nothing too devastating to the ego, uh, that I've partaken, uh, or happened to me or I've seen happen to anybody else. So yeah, I haven't had like almost like the whack-a-mole look where someone's underneath the tarp trying to find their way out. Uh, haven't had anyone that's good uh, experience that <laughs> that's a good look man so um you've listened you've listened to a couple episodes and um there are some people that i've had on the podcast that i know that you've worked with um do you have any stories from working with former pulling tart podcast guests sam fisher and timmy hines yeah, so I'll start with Timmy first, just because, like, I've started, I've just started working with him and starting to, like, get to know him a little bit. Yeah. Um, we were, uh, and this was actually uh, just, just recently, because uh, Tim, uh, Timmy, like, always likes, I don't know if it's just because he, he's trying to get to know me or if he does this with, with uh, everyone that's just me being new to the office, but, like, he'll just, like, randomly walk by me and ask me, like, super random questions, like, either about my life or or just like anything like that like the the last we were after our SoCon tournament game that got rained out uh last week like me uh and a couple other members of our our front office like we were watching uh a couple of NBA playoff games and uh Timmy just randomly goes okay who's the celebrity 
that you would take out uh, that you'd want to drink with and then like show them, show, show them a, a good time out and where would it be and everything like that. And I'm just like, holy, holy crap, man. That's a loaded-ass question. Yeah. But uh, uh, I ultimately went with Matthew McConaughey because I just find him a very interesting guy. And also if I'm bringing Matthew McConaughey out, like that would that bring an interesting crowd to wherever we're at as well and so it's like whenever there's a Matthew McConaughey reference like if someone like like today someone mentioned that they read his his book yeah uh, green light and stuff like that um and I don't know why I keep doing that but um uh pretty much like uh everyone just like will just start like looking at me and laughing because like apparently according to everyone in the office I have, I have a man crush on Matthew McConaughey now I mean who doesn't he was my choice yeah, I mean, who doesn't? I mean, that's a great choice, number one. And yes, Timmy asks the most random questions all the time. Like, you know, all hands were on deck in Beloit. And I just, yeah, I just remember him asking me the most ridiculous questions. Like, while we were, like, stocking shelves or cleaning something or painting something. Like, the the questions are endless. Like, his mind is constantly going. Like... Like, super oh, yeah. crazy fast. Um, but, side note, Matthew McConaughey has a house here in Delaware. Like, probably, like, 20 minutes away from where I live. Um, okay. Yeah, so, if you ever if you ever want to try and find him, come to Delaware. We'll, we'll try to find his house. Alright, so, sounds like a plan, man. And then for, uh, oh my god, like, stories that... Uh, Sam, I mean, like, uh, Sam, Sam's just a badass, man. Yeah. Like, she, she's badass. Like, mm-hmm. uh, she, she and, uh, Hannah Martin, the direct, director of, like, Ticket Sales, like, just recently came down to Greenville. They brought their intern crew out, uh, for a game and, uh, got to catch up, uh, with them. And just, just nice to, like, see them and, like, kind of see their, their intern crew and do what I can to, like, uh, help them out because I mean pretty much like a lot of like what I've learned in, in the business came from Sam yeah. uh, being, being uh, her underling in uh, 2018 and um, yeah just like I don't know if like there's like really a specific story that I have uh, with Sam that kind of just like summarizes like like everything but just like pretty much like the whole overarching theme is that like she is just like a person that unapologetically has been in my corner like my entire career and like has like just provided me with some really great tools to get to like where, where, I, where I've been at yeah and uh and also just like just like the overall like energy that she has brought into the room like whether it's a meeting or going out to a bar like as a team like her, her energy is just really unmatched yeah she seems super relatable um and and yeah man she's a good person to have in your corner for sure have you tried the sam fisher special do you know what that is sam uh i think you might have to enlighten me all right so oh the the prep the prep uh the the waffle the waffle yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i have not tried that but um Sounds like I normally go for like hot foods when uh, after like a night out. So like I feel yeah. like that's like a, a couple wine glasses deep. 
Yeah. Oh, right um, there. I, think, I think that that's what I would have to do, do that for. I'm definitely like I definitely have a sweet tooth for sure. Um, so like that hits that. I mean, it, it hits hard, dude. It is it is so good. Really? Yeah. And right, so y- you got to catch Timmy at the right time. But so when when his wife and kids go out of town and he's got to stay in town for work or whatever because they you know their family's from Cincinnati so they go home and visit pretty frequently and of course you know him being in the minor league baseball industry he's he's got to work all the time so and so I'll never forget this there was a couple times you know that that he was left alone to his own devices in Beloit and he would text me we would talk about you know all right we're going out on the town tonight and at work and then he would so after work he'll text me and he'll say pick a number one through 20 and i'll say like 12 and he'll be like okay now pick a compass direction north south east or west and i'd be like west and so he, he would find a bar that was 12 miles to the west of where we were at, and we would just go to a random bar. And no shit, we had the best times doing that. Like, no lie. Like, we met the most random people in the smallest towns in Wisconsin. It was wild. Oh my god, I couldn't even imagine the townies that you guys have probably met out there in and fucking bumfuck central Wisconsin. Yeah. Oh my god. That one that is actually incredibly that's like incredibly dope that that's like a that's like a thing. It's like almost like throwing like a dart at a map and that's where you go on like vacation type shit. Yeah. That okay, that that's that's sick. That's sick. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, I remember like I forget, like, Timmy ended up signing up for some bar's, like, birthday list so that he would get, like, a free burger or something like that. I don't even remember. Like, it was, and we met, like, some real townies in, like, the middle of, like, just absolutely nowhere Wisconsin. Like, it was, it was real. It was unreal, dude. Oh, man, I'm just, like... Just picturing like the characters that I've met in Midwestern bars, like not even just in Wisconsin, but like Ohio, like Illinois, mm-hmm. Minnesota, and stuff like that. Like I'm just like picturing the characters that are all working based on the ones that I've met, and it's just making me crack up, man. <laughs> it, yeah. So you got to catch them at the right time and tell tell them that you want to do that, and and he'll invite you. Oh man! All right, I might, I might have to, I might have to, I might just like on a, on a random, uh, random day, I'm just gonna be like, okay, one through twenty, bud. Yep, yep, one through twenty, and pick a direction. That's the way we're going. The the Timmy Hens compass, man. That's the that's that's the way. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, 
I can all, I can really only imagine what's the strangest thing you've had to assist with during a game in your career. Oh, okay, that is yeah. There's a there's an archive of that. <laughs> there's an archive. Um, probably the the worst situation that I ever had to deal with. I had I when I was working for the Packers. Um. I had to break. I, I had to break up an eight-on-one fight, and I was the one oh. because uh, a bunch of Bears fans started fighting each other, and then they started going after my Packers season ticket holders, and it just was a horrible, horrible situation. Jeez. And uh, yeah, so like I had the choice of either like almost like forming a bull ring and let it let them fight it out, but then everyone was had their phones out, watch would be watching me do nothing. Mm. And so, like, I chose to, to to break break up the fight and everything like that. And that was just, yeah, that was brutal. Like, I got I got clocked in the jaw a couple of times, and yeah, that oh. that just really sucked the whole ordeal. Jeez. But in minor league baseball, I'm trying to think of the weirdest thing. Uh, I just like when I was in the Northwoods League, uh, when I when I was an intern there slash the on field host for um, a team out in Minnesota. Um. Like I had a sequence where I had I did an on-field game, got called off, had to help clean up a bathroom because it got just destroyed. I had to had to help mitigate that, and then I had to help uh, an angry fan with something. So like I literally had the sequence of pretty much everything that synopsis amateur slash minor league baseball like pretty much within like a half an inning. Damn. And uh, I'd probably say that'd probably be the, the strangest, but like it just like kind of was just like the threat, I guess. Yeah. So it is a, it's a really pretty city, man. Like it's, yeah, like it, it's got obviously with like UMD there too, on top of everything. Like it, it is, yeah, like I, like I still hang out and like talk to like a lot of like my Huskies crew. Like I've gone to a couple, couple of my buddies like have, like done gone on to do like some pretty great things like i've gotten to like visit them like whether it was when they're still in college and stuff like that or like now that they're like out and everything like and i still like talk to like those people like i almost like like i'd probably say like twice with our group chat yeah that's wild man um yeah i mean minor league baseball you meet some of the best people in this industry like i said like Timmy was one of one of my groomsmen in my wedding. Like, he he is one of my best friends. Like, I can tell any you know tell anything, say anything to him, you know. Um, and we we just go so far back. Just we spent so much time together in Beloit. It was ridiculous. But, um, so what is the weirdest interaction that you've had with a fan in your career? Weirdest interaction. Um, I mean, yeah, there, there's just like a role of that. So just like interesting characters that like, that goes through my mind. It's not so much that like any of them are really strange. It's just that like, you know, like you have like people that are particular about certain things. So like, mm-hmm. I, like I remember like in Pittsburgh, like you just like have fans that are very specific about how, how they like their seats and stuff like that. But like, you'll find that like at pretty much like every team. So, right. 
Like, I haven't had, like, anything, like, super weird. It's not like where, like, they asked for, like, something, like, super crazy that wasn't, like, on the many other concession stands and, like, demanded that, like, we cook it or something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, like, yeah, yeah like, the, the Rolodex of, I mean, like, the, the weird, I, it's like, not, yeah, it's not, like, really not weird. It's just, like, people who are just very specific and very picky about their experience when they mm-hmm. come out to the ballpark. That's pretty much like the super extent of like what I've, I've seen so far. I'm sure like people who've had more skin in the game longer than I have can be like, Oh yeah, buddy, I've got different Rolodex of people. Right. Tell you. <laughs> yeah. We have gotten some interesting ones for that, but, um, so this is the 69th episode and I wanted to do something special and I just really struggled with with ideas for for some reason or another. Um, I really needed like Austin or Hunter's like brain for this. Um, but um, yeah, here we are. And so this was actually your idea to do the Mount Rushmore of nicest promos we've seen in minor league baseball. Nicest. All right, well, I'll uh, let you go first right, since, since you're the guest. Uh, since, I, since I'm the guest, man, how about how about like we rotate, like we do, like we do one, you do one, yep, and stuff like that. How about how about we go back and forth like that? Yeah, that works. All right, so you you kick it off, folks. Okay. All right, so <laughs> and this was this is just like I know it was like very simple, but I this was like just a great promotion. And it was on April 20th, so 4:20, and the Charleston River Dogs had marinara, like shout, out, like it was like a shout out to marinara day, and so it's obviously a play on marijuana. Um, and I think they they gave a bag of like basil to like to people like as they walked in the gates. And, like, there was just, like, a whole bunch of, like, spaghetti and, like, marinara-themed promotions. And I just thought that was, like, so clever and, and funny. Yeah, I think, like, I think it was Lansing, too. They did uh, just, and also it works well because since Michigan is a legal state, um, they had a little pot giveaway, which was literally a mini flower pot with the Lugnuts logo on it, I'm mm. pretty sure. If I'm confusing the team, uh, I'm sorry. I just can't think of. It. I'm just pretty sure it was lug nuts, just because it could work since it was a legal state. But yeah, they they did that, and I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, to go off of like that that play on words. Yeah, that is awesome. Um, my second one, and this is from David Ratz um, from the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. He's also a genius um, when it comes to marketing. And um, I believe it was called Not a Father's Day. And so basically, I think it was on Father's Day. They, like, barely marketed it at all. And um, they just set up a table in the concourse and people could get free pregnancy tests. And so basically, like, women would go up to this table and I think I think it either... I don't remember what the ta- like what the sign said at the table, but it, I think it just said like yes or no question mark or or maybe oh it was a plus sign and a minus sign 
was it was the sign on the table like very inconspicuous and um i guess somebody ended up finding out that they were pregnant and like that this dude was gonna be a dad at the jacksonville jumbo shrimp day for not a father's day So I had da- I had David Ratz on the podcast. I don't know. He was probably like one of the first like twenty episodes, I would think. Um, but and he told me about this. Um, it had to be within like the last five years because I don't think he's been with the Jumbo Shrimp that long. Yeah, like uh, man, I can't even. I feel like I would recall that because that just like gives me big Mori vibes. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, to uh for my first one and i'll catch up to my second one so that we're so that we're even then uh first one uh would probably be uh the river dogs uh they did an nba draft night a couple days back it was like all you had to do to uh because like uh technically for the nba rules uh you can still declare for the draft even if you're not like a, a college player or anything like that like uh, a certain amount of days out from when the draft is held in new york city you can declare to enter the draft. So yeah. they made like a NBA draft style, like fitted hat that the players wore and you could buy in the team store afterwards. And it was honestly like a really sick design. And then you could have, they had the official letterhead of the River Dogs and then like whatever statement that was needed to declare for the NBA draft already pre-written. All you had to do was send your name and then they would mail it to uh, the NBA headquarters in New York for you <laughs> on your behalf. That's awesome. And I, I, I just thought that was just like so unique to like tie like uh, another sport into just like a, a really fun like family night of entertainment. So I just thought that was pretty cool, pretty cool to see. And then um, like I know it's like going to be like kind of like overarching um, into it, but I, I really love everything that has to deal with La Copa and, yep. and minor league baseball, like overall would probably be like my number two, just like seeing the creativity of um, teams like Eugene uh, with the meaning behind the, uh, the, the Monarchs um, uh, um, insignia and logo that they had for that and the research that uh, went into that and connected with the Latino community um, just like as like a standout for me. Uh, when it comes to like La Copa, like they like really knocked it out of the park a couple of years back with that, and I'm pretty sure they're still maintaining that. They haven't changed that. Yeah. But um, but overall, La Copa and like what all these teams have done to really showcase creativity and flavor of the Latino community, uh, I really think is like my my strong number two. With I'd probably say Eugene being like one of like the strongest. Yeah. Yeah, that was actually on my list as well. Um, but I was doing some, some, you know, brief research before we started chatting and there was an independent team in California called the Fullerton Flyers. And so they were playing whatever team Jose Canseco was on at that time. Um, and they did a juice box giveaway night, like as a, as a joke, like because they were playing Jose Canseco. Yeah. Uh, 
they just like go social like that play on like I'm sure, and I, and like what's crazy is like Jose probably loved that because like you know he's been like one of those people who's like so open about like his time in the steroid era and everything like that. Yeah. And just like seeing I'm sorry, my phone is just being weird with uh, all this right here, so Oh, you're good. But um and so like he probably like he may have like had to like kinda like be like mute or like not about it, but like he probably like deep down like absolutely loved it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Alright, and then number three Number number three, and I guess like these are like not really in any particular order for me. I'm just like since there's four Mount Rushmore heads, I'm just shuffling around playing cards with four really brilliant ideas amongst like the hundreds that are out there. But um, I would probably say like the next one, and this was one that like I got to like actively like participate in uh, was like our Crash Davis night when I was with Asheville. Yeah. Um, obviously a little bit of bias just because like of my time there and like actually being involved in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just like Bull Durham is just like another one of those classic baseball movies that a lot, that a lot of people love. And then like having like the specific, uh, tie into Asheville and like bringing the sporting news story, uh, back and tying it in with the movie. And then like, I actually have like one of like the, the jerseys from that night. Mm-hmm. Like I, like I was just like, okay, I've got to buy this because Bull yeah. Durham's personally one of like my favorites too. Right. Um. So, uh, participating in that and just like kind of like seeing like people like really bond over like the end of the movie and like seeing like how McCormick feel really has not changed at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Uh. In the in the scenes of the movie, uh, that that just kind of holds a, like a, a little special place for me. For sure, man. It's like one of the oldest stadiums, right? Yep. Third third oldest still operating baseball stadium in the country. Behind Williamsport and Vermont, I think. Um, I don't know if it's across Major League Baseball and Minor League, but I know our nickname is the third I might be confusing it. I might our nickname is one of is the third oldest, maybe. Yeah. Um, but like we were founded like nine the Nashville Tours were founded like nineteen twenty four or mm-hmm. something like that. So like they're they're out there regardless because I mean McCormick Field hasn't moved it like has used to be like made of wood but it's stuff like that, but like it yeah. hasn't gone anywhere since nineteen twenty four. Right. Okay. Um my last one is I think it was the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. And it was a long time ago. I think it was like back in like 2007. But I've kind of wanted to recreate this and never was like successful in doing it. Um, But they did a speed dating night um, at the ballpark. And so like basically like the guys would like move move down a row. Like or you know every every like inning you know. Um, and okay. yeah, and, and I guess it, it resulted in like some, some actual like second and third dates, you know, like, um, I think it was the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Oh, that's, a, that's actually kind of dope. Cause like, I know like when the Atlanta Hawks had a Tinder night, like they actually had a couple winding up getting married. So yeah. the Hawks, the Atlanta Hawks actually paid for their wedding 
and they held it at State, like, uh, State Farm Arena and everything like That's that. That's awesome. So, stuff like that, I feel like it's cool. You know, like, I personally don't mess with, like, dating apps like that, and that way I think, like, the activations that, like, Bumble and, like, Tinder do for stuff like that in itself is pretty ingenious and pretty dope. Right. But, like, even though, like, I wouldn't be the demographic or the target audience for something like that, yeah. I, I can enjoy it from afar. I, I will <laughs> I, say this, so, like, in Wisconsin, especially, I was on all the dating apps, um, just you know, just because I could. And um, but I met my wife on uh, Coffee Meets Bagel, so. Well, I didn't even I didn't even know that's an app. Is that just like where you like you stuff a coffee date? It's no, it's like more in depth than that. But it's it's basically for people that like want to settle down. I think is their target market. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I guess, like, the name is just a little bit, like, okay. Like, it was on... It's, like... It was on Shark Tank. Um, it was founded by, like, two two women that brought their idea to Shark Tank. I forget who invested in it, but, um... But, yeah, it's, it's like, a okay. legit... It's, like, a legit app, and, like... It's, like, a... Le- it's more in-depth than, like, Tinder or Bumble. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, like, I, I've never downloaded either app, so I don't know what uh, the in-depth part goes into that, but, like, yeah. no, that that's, like, pre- pretty dope, though, that, like, you, like, you could have essentially seen, like, it rise and then ultimately affected you in that way to, like, you literally now are now married to your significant other yeah. through that app. That's, that, 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 that's wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it is pretty wild, but... All right, so your last uh, one. Yeah, last one. It's not really exactly a promotion. It's more of uh, a rebrand. And uh, I've got to shout out uh, two uh, outstanding people, um, uh, Amanda Weaver, a social media coordinator, and then the newly promoted vice president of uh, Ballpark Entertainment and uh, Branding, uh, Jessica Bayard. Yeah. Uh, just I don't know. Just I think it's the season of my life where I'm at right now, where I'm just taking this like a little bit more sentimental. Uh, so I'm going to get sentimental for a second here, Bobby. All right. And uh, like the Winston Salem Dash, like their old logo, like pretty much like was like almost like a screaming fastball mm. and stuff like that. So like kind of like like that old cartoon or stuff. And now they have this beautiful, very clean like WS and like that like old tiny script but like the reason like why i like the dash brand so much like have you ever heard the phrase live your dash no so pretty much i can't remember the individual who gave the talk on it but pretty much like you have uh a year that you're born the year that you're born and then the year that you you ultimately pass and it's about what you do in the dash that ultimately will define you and so like as like as like a a baseball professional i'm always thinking about the interactions that i have with fans is that ultimately going to help them keep coming back to the ballpark am i always going to be the person that's going to be putting my best foot forward every single day and uh that's like how i find myself living my dashboard like outside of baseball um and when I when I step into the front office every day to do what I do for work, yeah, it's it's about um, so like I just find like just I don't know if it's just because like over this last year of COVID I'm a, a lot more in tune 
to a lot of things I previously didn't value as hard, and there's a lot of things that, like, I had changed with that, so mm-hmm. I just find a lot more, like, I, I really think it's cool that there is a, a minor league baseball team that has the name The Dash, yeah. and, like, it's, I, like, I can find an emotional connection to that in my own unique way, yeah. so a, a little biased and maybe not along the run-of-the-mill promotion, but, uh, um, yeah, that, I, I don't have to say that around up my Mount Rushmore. Man. Perfect, dude. Um, so you'll have to go back and listen to Jessica Aveyard's episode on the podcast. Um, that was that was a great one. Um, I'll have to get Amanda Weaver on at some point. We we follow each other on Twitter, but um, I'll have to get her on here at some point. Um, are there any like what's the best and worst promotion that you've been a part of personally? Um, I mean, like, I'm just trying to think of, like, bad promotions and stuff like that. Like, I'm just hoping that there isn't a team that's going to do, like, a throwback to, like, quarantine night or some shit like that. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to see that ever. And yeah. I hope that no team ever does because that would immediately get blacklisted in my book. <laughs> <laughs> yep, but, yep. Um, couldn't agree with you more so in Beloit when I was there we had 23 beers on tap which is pretty good for like a low a minor league team and then we and then we had even more in bottles and cans so I think we ended up having like I want to say close to 40 beers like in the stadium um so so yeah I mean we both know Wisconsin, they like to drink, um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think all across minor league baseball, like, people just, people just love a ball game and a beer, and, and that, that's the epitome of America, I think, so, um, perfect, dude. So, where can the listeners find you on social media, Luke? Yeah, I mean, if, uh, y'all, y'all care about, uh, listening to my musings or anything like that, you can find me, uh, at Luke Johnson 2014 on Twitter. 
and uh, that's pretty much the only place like where I where I really hang out on social media. Like I don't got Instagram or or Facebook. I don't think anyone really fucks with Facebook like that anymore. <laughs> no. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, not Twitter. Twitter is where I stay, man. It's where I stay. Perfect. Twitter is is by far the best social media app. I I agree with oh, you there. By far. By far. Um, so. You've listened to a couple episodes. You know we end the same way. Uh, during your minor league baseball career, what has been your favorite walk-up song, and whose was it? Oh, my God. I actually was thinking about this on my way home. I forgot to ask our our, uh, our game day presentation manager. We have, we have a dude uh, down with us right now in Greenville. His name's Cam Cannon. Uh, absolute rock star name. Nice. I love yep. it. Uh, he's one of our outfielders. And um, he has this very cool reggae, uh, J- like Jamaican song as his walk up. So I, I, it just has like an incredible beat when like he first is walking out of the dugout when he sells in the box. Like I, I don't know if he practices like. <laughs> how he sells into the box like with the beat but like it is like watching two synchronized swimmers go like it's just on beat perfect every yeah. single time and uh i have i'll have to report back yep. later on but yeah um cam can currently down here at the greenville drive uh possibly has the best walk-up song in minor league baseball Ooh. right now I am looking forward to it. Um, message me that tomorrow because I'm I'm going to edit this tomorrow and it'll come out on Thursday. So, um, okay. All right, perfect, dude. Well, thank you so much, Luke, for taking the time out of your evening to come on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. Uh, wish I could say that it was your podcast debut, but it wasn't. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, shout out to the Snapbacks and Interbrews Podcast. Um, but yeah, dude, thank you so much, and uh, wish you the best of luck. Um, number one, working with Timmy all year. Um, but, um, you know, we'll, we won't fault you for that, but, um, best of luck this season with, with Greenville and, um, yeah, man, just thank you so much. Hey man, th- thanks for having me, man. It, uh, it's great to, uh, finally chat, meet you virtually and, uh, just like, yeah, some of the offline conversations that we've had, uh, about the industry, where it's going and stuff like that, and then just being able to kind of have some fun let loose on, on, on a podcast like what you've uh, been building here uh, with the TARP crew uh, has been uh, fantastic. It's a pleasure to be a part of it, my friend. Yeah, man. Thank, thank you. Appreciate you. Have a good one. Listen to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.